0: what up y'all uh i'm recording this little uh intro preface um after i recorded the actual episode itself um i need to say that i feel very insecure about the social media post picture that i put up to kind of uh advertise this podcast episode it's you know it's i feel it's very like kind of narcissistic look at me look at me uh Kind of post, but it's intentional in multiple ways. The first of which is that, like, I think it draws attention uh, to the episode, which, you know, I do want. I do want people to look at as many people as possible to listen to the episode. Um, but secondly, I think it's also very emblematic of where my life is right now. Like, that picture is how I look every single day sweaty, smelly, uh, w- walking around shirtless in my underwear or like in a pair of shorts without any underwear and also in this little shack guest house that I live in in the backyard and then you know more than anything that's how I feel that look at my face just screaming at the top of my lungs that's how I feel right now as I say in this episode you know the past several weeks and few months there's been you know some screaming at the top of my lungs I guess it could be more accurate if I had tears uh rolling down my face uh, you know scream crying At the top of my lungs I feel you know Like I'm losing my mind right now Um, And so I wanted to make <laughs> A picture where I wanted to take A picture that's the most accurate Reflection of where my life is right now And that's where my life is right now Uh Shirtless smelly Scream crying feeling trapped In a box so um I know it seems uh, At least I mean I feel insecure about it Being like you know narcissistic Look at me but it's you know, I also do feel it's an accurate reflection of of where my life is right now, which you'll hear much more about in greater detail uh, Prepare Yourselves uh, right now in this episode. So uh, it's good to be back, guys, and thank you so much for listening. Here's the episode itself. What up, y'all? This is Alex Clark Youngblood. Today is August 15th, 2021, and we're back. The podcast is back today 's episode is going to be a brief one. Um, I just want to offer an explanation for where the podcast has been and off also just a brief description of where my life has been over the past I believe it's eight ish months since uh, I posted the last episode uh, let me establish first and foremost this is not a cry for help this is not a public cry for help um, the past eight months we'll get it I'll get into um Detail here in a second, Uh, the past eight months has um, gotten increasingly dark (laughs) uh, psychologically um, But my closest family and friends and uh, at least one mental health professional uh, is aware of that (laughs) And so this is not a cry for help. It's going to sound bad. It's going to sound dark Um, But I'm going to be fine. I'm going to emerge from uh this hole of despair that I will, uh, describe here in a minute. Um, I'm going to emerge. I'm confident I'm going to emerge stronger where I stand right now. It's, it's, it's hard to even believe that when I say it, well, actually it's no, it's not. I I do believe that I'm in a very dark place at the moment, but I, I, I'm thoroughly confident, uh, that I'm going to emerge, um, a happy and healthy individual and stronger than ever. Um, so the last episode I posted was in November of 2020, and ironically enough, it was with a friend of mine named Stephen Morgan, who is a mental health professional, a guy who has struggled with mental health issues uh, throughout his life and uh, is has attempted to combat them in alternative means and has dedicated his professional life to helping others um, combat mental health issues um, by alternative means. That was, it was not my plan to interview him and then disappear and fall into my own... Uh, downward psychological spiral, <laughs> but in fact, that's exactly what has happened. Um, so let me offer just a brief description of my psychological history, my mental health history, uh, and then get us up to this point, just to provide some context to what exactly is going on. I've, I've gone over this in other episodes, but uh, let's just have it uh, condensed here as a standalone um, little descriptor. Uh, throughout my entire childhood, I experienced severe, excuse me, not throughout my entire childhood, starting in fifth grade. Um, I, I would get strep throat regularly throughout childhood. And in fifth grade, I got a very bad case of strep throat. So bad, in fact, that the tonsils were so infected um, that they enlarged so much with infection that they actually started ripping off the side of my throat. They're actually like performing their own sort of tonsillectomy. And in fact, the, the doctors then had to go in and, and remove the tonsils. They're already halfway um, removed, but they went in and removed them. Um, and I was hospitalized uh, for a little while, received prior to the tonsillectomy, received um, large doses of antibiotics to combat the, uh, the strep. Um, and shortly thereafter, um, right around second semester of fifth grade, out of nowhere, I started experiencing severe OCD symptoms. Very classic shit you may have read in textbooks. Or seen in movies or hopefully not experienced yourself, you know, washing your hands 200 times a day, uh, performing different rituals. For me, it was things like I would have to like go through a whole routine where I'd lay out my clothes and have to dress and redress myself every morning, turning the stove off and off off hundreds of times. And I'm talking about like I would be up all night long, you know, opening and closing the front door, uh, unlocking and locking car doors um and at the time throughout my childhood i was doing these things because my brain was telling me if i didn't do these things there would be some sort of catastrophic consequence the initial consequences when i was in fifth grade was if i didn't you know walk home and step on certain sticks or certain cracks in the sidewalks when i walked home from school then my mom would die in a car accident on the way home or the hand washing thing if i didn't wash my hands you know whatever the number of the day or week was eighty seven, hundred twenty two, four hundred fifty one times a day, then my mom would die in a car accident on the on the ride home. As I got to be a more social person and started hanging out with the girls and be, uh, forming a better social network, the cons if I didn't, you know, uh, tie my soccer cleats in a certain way and take them on and off or swallow saliva while looking at a white spot on my soccer cleats. 72 times, then, you know, girls wouldn't like me anymore. or People wouldn't think I was funny anymore. And this shit went on through fifth grade all the way up until college. Um, And uh, it wasn't until my sophomore year of, well, actually, going into my freshman year of college, I didn't get in even to the state school, um, University of Georgia in the state where I lived. And in large part, that was because I couldn't complete the SAT, because on the SAT, I couldn't complete the reading passages, uh, or because I'd have to go through certain rituals, well, just not such a reading passage, any math, reading, writing, whatever. I would have to go through a ritual on you know every section of, of the test. And this wasn't just the SAT. On every academic assignment I ever completed, I had to go through some sort of ritual. I've said this on other podcasts, but I didn't read a book from sixth grade through college through high school, middle school and high school i didn't read a single book because i couldn 't get beyond the the table of contents because it would take me i 'd have to do a four hour ritual just on the table of contents, rereading you know <laughs> the the chapter heading or whatever over and over again for hours and hours at a time, so it was impossible to read a book when i didn 't get into the state school that i'd always expected to get into, I told myself the summer before college that. Dude, this shit has to stop. This is now having major negative consequences on your life. And so, the summer before I went off to school, um, the summer of 2006, I dedicated that entire summer <laughs> to two things: uh, working at a deli <laughs> near my house, all three things. Also, hanging out with uh, my high school buddies who were all going off to various colleges, and then like putting myself through my own what at the time I didn't know what it was, but it was basically like cognitive behavioral therapy boot camp, where I would put all of these. Th- Like pitfalls, OCD pitfalls, I would practice like getting out of them, getting out of them, practice these things over and over, like exposing myself uh, to all of these things uh, that initiated these compulsions. And it actually worked fairly well. Um, by the time I went off to University of South Carolina my freshman year, I was able to read. I started reading like the assigned chapters. I started reading entire books for English class. You know, I was, you know, all of a sudden I had the functioning reading skills of a sixth grader. And, um, you know, the, my freshman year of college, you know, compared to the previous, you know, decade of my academic experience was a breeze. I got straight A's in college. I, I was performing relatively normal. It was, a, it was a slog, though. Like, I had no social life. It, it took me tons of time and energy to complete these assignments, especially the reading. But I was able to do it. But the compulsion was still there. There was this devil, this OCD devil in my mind, constantly telling me to engage in these compulsions, constantly telling me to reread you know, the sentence, constantly telling me to erase what I had written and write it over and over again. And I just ignored, ignored, ignored I transferred to the University of Georgia my sophomore year, and everything came rushing back. I'm thinking maybe in part that was because I started drinking alcohol and partying regularly at, at, at UGA. I don't know. But they started coming back, and all of a sudden, I couldn't read again. I couldn't complete academic assignments again. So for the first time in my life, I reached out to help. Throughout my childhood, I ignored these symptoms, my, or I, I, I tried to pretend that this wasn't going on. I was ashamed of it. I'd always been a successful person academically, socially, athletically, and once OCD kind of ravaged my life in all of those areas. I was ashamed to admit that I had a problem, and so when friends and family would notice that clearly there's something going on, you're taking your soccer cleats, it, you know, it's taking you, you know, an hour and a half to get dressed for soccer practice. I would, you know, make up some excuse for why that was happening, uh, and and uh, not admit I had a problem. My mom attempted me to take attempted to take me to a psychologist multiple times throughout my childhood, but. I would, you know, lie to the psychologist's face and, and tell her there was an issue or I would just run out of the the office and go hide in like the parking lot or in the woods or something. So it wasn't until so my sophomore year, right on when I was, I guess, 19 years old, about to be 20 years old, that I reached out to my mom who was a school psychologist for help. And she um, scheduled an appointment with a psychiatrist friend of hers. That psychiatrist put me on 20 milligrams of Prozac and antidepressant and SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Uh, to treat the OCD, and it treated it very effectively. Um, throughout the rest of my college career, life was much easier than it had ever been. All of a sudden, I was excelling in all areas of life, and I was taking on more extracurricular shit and more social shit. It was, I was, you know, it was smooth sailing. From there, I went off to to Phoenix after college graduation, and I've talked about this, but um, uh, did like an alternative teaching program. Um, I taught a special education in some inner city schools And that was an ex- incredibly challenging environment and lifestyle But I handled it However, during those three years teaching in Phoenix I came off my medication for the first time I came off the Prozac And the results were disastrous um, All of a sudden, my mind essentially like stopped working I would be paralyzed by indecision It wasn't as if these compulsions from childhood came back I didn't feel like I needed to wash my hands over and over or like a family member was going to die. But it started being like I couldn't register physical reality. I would shut a door. And my brain would not register that that door shut. And so I'd have to go shut it over and over and over and over. Until finally click in my head like the door shut. Same thing with like turning off the stove. Same thing with locking the car or turning off the water. It's like registering physical reality would not register in my head. I would stare at like a room, a dark room. And my brain would not register that I had turned off the lights in this room. Like this constant voice in my head, even though I'm staring into pitch blackness, my brain is telling me, no, the light is on. It's insane. It's crazy. Um, and then on top of that, these very dark, depressive symptoms came about. And I'd never experienced, experienced these symptoms before. During my childhood, I wasn't depressed I would get to places of deep despair because I was overwhelmed by the compulsions. It was all I could think about every second of every day for a decade of my life was these OCD compulsions. But it wasn't just a classical depression, like a sense of hopelessness. It would feel overwhelming and it would feel hopeless because I couldn't control these compulsions. They would take over my life, but it wasn't just like this. I was dwelling in darkness. You know, there'd be these bouts. Once I would like get done with tying my shoes a hundred times, I'd tell myself, "That's the last time I'm ever going to do that. That's the last time I've ever going to do that." So I'd go maybe you know, an hour thinking that I'm free, I'm free of OCD, and then the next compulsion would come along, and that would happen every single day for ten years. Like this is the last time I'm going to wash my hands a hundred times. I get done with it, and you get this incredible sense of relief, and then I'm like, "I'm done. I'm never going to do an OCD compulsion again." And of course, thirty minutes later, something else comes about, and you're you're taking your shoes on and off over and over again. And so when I came off the medication in 2012, my second year teaching, no, sorry, twenty. Yeah, 2012, my third year teaching, 2012 going into 2013, my third year teaching, um, these kind of irrational compulsions weren't going on, but it was more that inability to register physical reality that I had shut a door, that a light was off. My brain would not register it. And then on top of that, now these more traditional depressive symptoms would come along. Um, like feeling, um, maybe not even traditional depressive symptoms, just a uh, feeling of paralysis. Like my brain wasn't working. Like my, br- like my brain was an engine, like suck of its oil. Or another analogy I always draw is like, my brain felt like a computer with a virus. You know, back like with old Windows computers, you'd get a virus and like screens would, hundreds or thousands of screens would pop up. Windows would pop up all over your screen, over your desktop. And you'd like close one, just a thousand more would pop up. That's what my brain felt like. It was like I couldn't process reality. It's very strange. And I just didn't like the concept that the only way my brain could function was on a psychiatric medication. But when I would come off the medication, my brain couldn't function. Um, And so... I was committed at the time to coming off the medication uh, to to convince myself I could function. I could carry on a normal life without the medication. But when I came off the medication, you know, that just wasn't the case. And so I went back on the medication in 2013 and shit was fine again. Shit was smooth sailing. I moved down to Honduras, a new nonprofit work. No problem. Once again, even more challenging environment, you know, an incredibly violent country, you know, no power, no running water at times. Um, you know, n- none of the comforts of the first world whatsoever. Um, you know, doing you know difficult nonprofit work with you know students once again living in incredibly difficult circumstances. But I was cool. I loved it actually. Um, a couple years after that, I tried to come off of medication again in 2015. At that time, I was like, okay, I'm just going to make sure my life is as stressless as possible. So I just traveled. I told myself I'm taking at least six months off to travel. I'm going to come off the medication, there'll be no stress in my life, Every, shit will be sweet. Came off the medication, shit was not sweet. Um, once again, it wasn't like overwhelming depressive symptoms, this time it was indecision. I would wake up in the morning and I couldn't decide like what I wanted to eat for breakfast. I couldn't decide if I wanted to go for a run or if I wanted to do yoga or if I wanted to do bodyweight exercises. exercises. Like, and I would sit on the edge of my bed, I would wake up. And sit on the edge of my bed from 8 a.m. when I woke up to fucking 3 p.m. Just like crying and screaming because I could not make a decision about what I wanted uh, to do with my day. Just paralyzed by indecision. And once again, felt as if like just my brain wasn't functioning. I'd have conversations with people and I could carry on conversations with people. But my brain would just be swirling with all of this indecision about what am I going to do after I have this conversation with this individual. So uh, I ended up you know, cutting that vagabond trip short, coming back to the United States, getting back on the medic or uh, getting back on the medication. I'm, I'm skipping some details here, but long story short, getting back on the medication. Uh, this time, the psychiatrist I saw put me on double the dosage of what I had initially been on. I had been initially placed on 20 milligrams of Prozac, went off that 20 milligrams. When I got back on it, uh, the second time was back on 20 milligrams. Things were totally cool. When I came off at the third time in 2015, now going into 2016, the psychiatrist I saw put me on 40 milligrams of Prozac. And it resolved the symptoms, but now I was manic. Now I felt invincible. Now I felt as if like there were no consequences to my actions, that I didn't need relationships, that I didn't even need a job, that I, nothing mattered. I was like automatically happy and chill and kind of numb regardless of what my life circumstance was. And I did not like that at all. So uh, from about the summer of 2016 to the summer of 2018, I was on that 40 milligram dosage. And I was just very flippant about life. And, you know, uh, just felt kind of numb. Like it was better than not being on the medication. I didn't feel, you know, it's feeling kind of manic and numb is better than, certainly better than feeling... Um, like you want to die um, But it I, I, It wasn't a good way to exist And I was i was hurting people actually With my actions And um, and like lack of I don't know I felt like I was ex, ex, um, Exuding a lack of Like Concern or For others in a way And a lack of I wasn't valuing the relationships around me Because I felt like even if I'm all by myself Shit is sweet I'm numb Everything is fine. So in the summer of 2018, I started gradually reducing the dosage of Prozac. Uh, like two and very slowly, two and a half milligrams every three months, I think was kind of the plan. And so I did that all the way up until March of 2021. So March of this year. So it was a three year process reducing the medication. And in March of this year, I came off the medication entirely. And so I've been off the medication since March and shit has gotten increasingly dark. Once again, it's back to the uh, indecision. I can't make decisions about anything. And there is a sense of hopelessness. There's a lack of desire to engage in in any activity there's a lack of desire to get out of the bed any morning i found myself in recent weeks going to bed crying and waking up crying going to waking up screaming at times just like screaming at the top of my lungs just because i i'm not even sure why anguish just like a pain like a, a psychological pain um The situation is a bit complicated, however, because of COVID and this quarantine situation. I've essentially been living in social isolation for the past year and a half. Things have started to open up here in LA over the past few months, but still, I moved to LA in the beginning of 2020. COVID hit a few months later. In hindsight, perhaps I should have stopped the reduction of the medication when the world got locked down and there was no social interaction to be had, but I was feeling fine. And quite frankly, March 2020, all of 2020, really March 2020 through December 2020, living in virtual social isolation with the exception of the little girl that I'm taking care of and her two parents, virtual social isolation completely. And I was cool with it. Yeah, I just, I accepted as like a respite from reality um and it was it wasn't nice, but I just tried to find the positive in living like a very kind of monastic type lifestyle. <laughs> um no social relationships, no romantic relationships, but also like less concern about those things. And I just accepted it for what it was and honestly it it, it wasn't that bad. I was relatively happy, all things concerned. However, as uh, 2020 turned into 2021 and I've reduced the medication down below 10 milligrams to seven and a half to five to two and a half, shit has gotten dark. Um, And so now I am left in a position where I am uh, uncertain of how to proceed. I've told myself that I am going to give it I've been off the medication since March. I've told myself I'm going to give it six months off the medication, so until about mid-September. And part of the reason I'm waiting so long is that there are other chemical variables at play. Since 2013, when I moved to Honduras, really about 2014, when I was you know about six months into living down there, I have been smoking weed regularly. And during COVID from march 2020 up until about a month ago i was smoking weed virtually every single day there's been a couple times when i've left la to go visit family to go visit um a girl that i've been seeing and during those like kind of two week vacate those two-week vacations out of la i'm not smoking weed but when i'm back in la when i'm back in social isolation i'm smoking weed virtually every single day and so, the little experiment I'm running on myself right now, which thus far has not been a successful one, is that I just want to clean out the chemical environment in my brain. I want to get rid of the Prozac, I want to get rid of the marijuana, and then caffeine is the other one. Caffeine is one that I'm now starting to reduce, and perhaps I should just abandon it all and just try to live an entirely sober lifestyle, um... But I really want to see what my brain feels like over the next several weeks and perhaps a few months without using marijuana as like essentially a numbing agent. Because that's what it has been. That is the role it has played throughout COVID. Um, as soon as I'm done working uh, or taking care of the um, Jojo, uh, the, the two and a half year old I'm taking care of, as soon as I'm done taking care of her, I get high immediately because it numbs me out. It makes me like no longer desire social interaction. It makes me no longer desire like uh, putting structures in my life that that traditionally make you a happy person. If I just get high, I feel numb, I feel fine. I no longer need to like look for things outside myself to bring happiness and that's not a healthy way to live. Um, And so I'm attempting to clean out my brain altogether Over the next several weeks if there's no improvement in my psychological state um then i'm going to be forced to go back on the medication because when i say this out loud and i've been having conversations with family friends over the last several weeks if things have gotten really bad um, it sounds kind of ridiculous and i feel bad even having these conversations with my family and friends a because i've had these exact same conversations with them in the past And it's fairly obvious what the solution is, right? When I'm on the medication, I feel fine. When I'm off the medication, I feel like I want to kill myself. And because I've been dealing with this issue since I was 10 years old, I've confronted the concept of suicide and I've stared it right in the face. (laughs) I've been close, not close. I have, and that's one of the major symptoms right now is not constant, is suicidal ideation. It's living in this state of despair is, it gets overwhelming and it gets to the point where living like this does not seem worth it anymore. And the concept of non-existence seems better, right? The concept of total darkness and nothingness. I don't think if you die, you're going off to be like, you know, if you kill yourself or take your own life, you're going to be burned like in hell for eternity. I don't believe in that concept whatsoever, Perhaps there is some sort of more ethereal, energetic concept that your soul or your energetic being goes off to be part of the universe or, uh, you know, uh, who fucking knows once you die. But I don't think it's like some, you know, eternal negativity. I, I don't believe in that. Um I don't know what happens. I imagine uh, there's a significant chance that nothing happens, that, you know, the game is over. It's, it's nothingness. It's darkness. It's non-existence, which when you're existing all day, every day in a state of despair, non-existence sounds fucking fantastic. And so I've confronted that throughout my life. There was times when I was uh, a kid, um, where, you know, when I was in middle school and high school, where I would get a knife out of my mom's um, kitchen. And just kind of like put it up to my throat or put it on my heart. I knew I wasn't going to do anything, but I just needed to like push myself to that absolute limit. To, to, to show myself that like this is what is happening if you continue down this path. This is the worst case scenario. Is this truly what you want? You're thinking about this. Is this truly what you want? Just to push myself to that limit. And this is where I need to let people know. I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm not a danger to myself. I'm not a danger. I'm certainly not a danger to others. (laughs) You know, I think about it. I think about it. I'm not going to lie. I think about it. But because I have confronted this throughout my life, I have made a decision. I've looked myself in the mirror literally and told myself that's not an option. That's not going to happen. We're riding this thing out. We're not taking ourself out of this ball game. We're staying on the field. We're playing this game, even if it's an extremely painful game to play. You know, when I came off my medication um, the second time in 2015, same thing. I would have a razor blade. And I can remember just one instance where I took a razor blade and just kind of rubbed it on my wrist just to push myself to that limit, to show myself, this is rock bottom. We are not going lower than this. And in this particular um, situation coming off the medication here over the last um, several months when things have gotten really dark, I'm not going to lie. Um, I have these like exercise straps, these TRX straps that I like suspend from the ceiling or from a point above you. You may have heard of them, and you use them to do you know uh, body weight exercises. And I have wrapped those around my neck and just kind of pushed into them and dangled on them a little bit, just to get that feeling of what it would feel like to hang yourself, to push yourself to that absolute limit, to teach myself to just. Kind of put a floor underneath this psychological downfall to show myself, this is it. This is the bottom. <laughs> you're thinking about non-existence. You're thinking about taking yourself out of a ballgame. Okay, well, this is how it would happen. This is how you would do it. Is And you're not going to do this. Sounds crazy. I need to reiterate. I'm not going to harm myself. <laughs> but I engage in these crazy fucking behaviors. Um... And it's showing me that I need to do something. Something has to change. Um, and you would think with, as I'm saying this out loud, it sounds ridiculous that I'm just grabbing the medication. I literally have the medication sitting right here next to me. Not, not like sitting out next to me, but I have it, you know, in the storage bin here in, uh, here where I live. It's right here. The solution is right here, but I perhaps am obsessed with this concept of, um, Cleaning out my brain, seeing what it feels like to be off this medication altogether, and it's you know when you look at it objectively, it perhaps is an entirely rational process to engage in because I'm existing in despair. There's a very uh, there's a solution that has you know been demonstrated for me personally time and time again that it is the solution, and yet I refuse to engage in it. That being said, I am saying out loud if things do not, if there is no significant improvement by mid September, I will get back on the medication. So, and that's why I can say, as I began this episode, uh, that I'm confident I'm going to come out of this stronger, either, I don't want to say miraculously, either like existing without, pro, without uh, Prozac, without marijuana, and potentially without caffeine, perhaps that like, you know, perhaps through that suffering and perhaps through that, um, I'm, ho- I'm, I'm hoping to obtain some sort of clarity of mind, uh, that allows me um, to kind of transcend the suffering I'm in. We'll see if that can happen or not. But if it if it doesn't, if there is no significant improvement, then I will get back on the medication, and then you know I will have the perspective um, of what it feels like to live in despair, which I I know will propel me you know to be a better person in the future. Um, so yeah, that's where we are now. I feel like I haven't quite described exactly the symptoms that I'm experiencing now. It's very, um, it's hard to pinpoint. It's a sense of, it's a sense of fear. It's a sense of loneliness and a sense of fear. Um, when I wake up in the morning, I don't want to live life. Um, I don't know what to do. You know, I literally don't know what to do with my day. Um, I've started to, you know, every night plan out like hour by hour, exactly what my day is going to look like. Because otherwise, if I wake up in the morning without like a very concrete delineated plan, I literally don't know what to do. Um And there's just a lack of desire to gain, engage in any activities. I have no desire to do, I want to be? I do want to be around people, which is another reason why I haven't hopped right back on the medication because when I am around other human beings, I feel pretty normal. As LA has opened up here a little bit over the last few months, I'm making an inserted effort to hang out with the few people that I do know. It's very bizarre to have lived in the city for 18 months and essentially not have any friends because basically as soon as I moved here, LA shut down. So the opportunity to, to hang out with people hasn't really been there. But when I have hung out with people, even when I talk to people on the phone, um, I feel relatively normal. I certainly feel much better than when I'm not around people. Um, but that being said, like I don't have any sort of aspiration. I don't know, like I'm. I don't want to be a career. You know, I'm not a career nanny. This is coming out here was one a dad internship because I want to have kids at one point and I want to be very ready to have those kids. I wasn't raised by a father. I feel like. I feel like I have good fatherly skills. I've been a teacher for much of my life and I think I've been a very effective one at that, but you know, I've never actually taken care of a, a child. I really wanted that experience. So when I, when I do become a father, I can do so like I can hit the ground running and be very confident in, in those skills. Secondly, I've always wanted to live in LA and um like the compensation to effort ratio in this job is very nice. As far as jobs go, this is a great gig. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. This is another symptom of uh, the OCD. So I apologize if this is kind of, uh, if my train of thought kind of kind of loses. This is another symptom that I've been experiencing since I've been off the medication. Is I just kind of like lose what I'm talking about. Um, oh, I was saying I, I don't want to be a career nanny, but I don't have any aspirations really to do anything else. I want to travel. Although now, even when I think about traveling, which is always like my utmost desire, it scares me. Packing my bag and vagabonding throughout Latin America and the third world has never scared me before now. But now when I think about it, it it kind of scares me. Everything just kind of scares me a little bit, which is not how I typically am whatsoever. Um, So it's the indecision. It's a lack of desire to really engage in any activity except I just want to be around people. Um, uh, Yeah, just kind of like this fear of the next moment, this constant fear of the next moment. And then the indecision. Once again, like I'll go to the grocery store, and I will just stop. I will just be paralyzed because I can't make a choice about what to be put in put in the cart. That's that's really that's one of the major symptoms: the indecision, the fear, um, and then a lack of like under. I woke up this morning and actually put it very clearly, uh, talking to myself out loud. Um, I woke up this morning and told myself that like I wake up. And I feel like I don't know where I am or what I am doing here. It's like I wake up and I'm like an alien in a foreign environment every single day. It's it's bizarre. Uh, so <laughs> uh, shit has been bad. Shit has been very bad. Um, uh, yeah, there's. I, I won't say exactly what the specifically what it was. I was trying to make a decision about earlier this week, but I couldn't make a decision about um, a particular. Uh, relationship I have with someone. I couldn't make a decision about something I wanted to do with that relationship. And I was just overwhelmed by the indecision. And I just woke up, like I I think I mentioned this uh, a little bit ago, but I just woke up screaming at the top of my lungs, screaming at the top of my lungs. The other day, I, my computer stopped charging. And it's like, I took it into the Apple store. And they told me I might need to replace my computer. Or like replace the battery or something. And so I send it to them. And on the drive home, same thing. The drive home for 10 minutes, I am screaming at the top of my lungs. Just screaming because that was like something I didn't expect. Something that like is a negative thing. And, and it just throws me off the deep end. I'm talking about like screaming to the point like my throat is in pain. And I feel like maybe I'm like about to rupture my eardrum. It's It's crazy. And, um, I don't know how I sound right now, but, uh, I think one of the issues with this as far as like friends and family are talking to friends and family about it. And then in particular, this, the psychologist I have started to see recently is that I get, I think I sound like relatively normal or like confident. Perhaps I know my psychologist, like I got off the phone with him, um, and actually, we he just started asking me questions about my life and my experiences, and he was like very interested in those things. And um, you know, towards the end of the conversation, he's like, "Well, Alex, you sound like a real interesting dude. Um, like, I'd love to actually, you know, meet you at some point." Where we is the phone? was uh, it was on the phone. It was supposed to be like a fifty minute session we ended up talking for like two hours but it was just like him asking me questions about my life he's from central america obviously i've lived and traveled to central america so he just asked me questions about my travel. it was just like two bros catching up we were on like a first date is what it really turned into and i was thoroughly enjoying it, it made me feel much better to with him but as we got off the phone he's like he's like all right man he's like i'd love to like meet you at some point he's like a very interesting dude i've never had a patient you know quite like you before um he's like what do you say like you know we catch up in a couple of weeks and so, clearly, I had given him the impression that, like, shit is sweet. Like, I, I you know, I'm just I'm talking to you for fun. Uh, but no, I feel like I need to talk to someone every day. So, I was like, no, man, we can't talk in a couple of weeks. Like, maximum one more week I can wait. I can go without talking to you. Honestly, I feel like I need to talk to you every day. Um. So, yeah, that is uh that is where we are right now. Um, and I apologize because this podcast is like, I said, like, there's very few things I like want to do or like aspirations I have or goals I have right now. But this podcast has been one of them for years. I started my first podcast with my buddy, Sam in Honduras in 2013. And for, you know, a myriad of reasons, I think marijuana being one of them, I think marijuana kind of really does, at least for me, like reduce my ambition. Um, and kind of like the... (laughs) This is the downside, I think, kind of of Prozac. I think it does kind of put a floor underneath your psychological state. So it kind of automatically makes you feel happy, even though maybe you don't have the structures in your life that are, should truly make you happy. You know, I think if you're experiencing depression, like you should really make an effort or any kind of, let's particularly just to stick with depression, you should really make, an effort to put structures in your life that are emblematic of a healthy lifestyle, diet, you know, a quality diet, regular exercise, um, you know, a solid social network around you. Um, beyond that, perhaps even like, you know, a stable romantic partner, you know, a good relationship with your family, a stable job. Like I, I, I don't, I have philosophical misgivings about psychiatric medication. I really think people should make a concerted effort, uh, you know, to build a, a happy life around themselves to the greatest extent possible before they automatically hop back onto a pill. And so that's why I'm really hesitant to just go back to the pill because those things, there are major pieces of my life missing. Perhaps really the only area of my life that I have my shit together is my physical fitness. You know, I, I have a clean diet and I exercise regularly. But during COVID, I certainly don't have a, a social life. I'm in the middle of hopefully uh, rebuilding a stable romantic partnership with someone who I love very dearly and who you know we have been on and off for several years. and you know in large part due to my own psychological instability at times or you know whatever it may be, I have not been the best partner. I think we can both do a better job of being partners. So I'm hoping I'm you know I, I, we're in the process of, of rebuilding that relationship. Um, but also, like I like I said, I like this job that I have, but I know it's not like it doesn't like fulfill me. I know it's not like I'm, you know, advancing myself in any way. I guess I am like I feel confident in my I've uh, but I do feel like I've kind of accomplished what I want to accomplish with this job. Like I feel confident that uh, when I do if and when I do have kids that I will I will be a great father. But I know, like, there is a next professional step. It would be nice to know what it is. Like long term, I would like to professionally. My point is, there certainly are areas in my life that I could improve. Um, unfortunately, COVID kind of limits some of those. But also, like, if I left, you know, if I wasn't in this job, there per- perhaps would be more flexibility in my uh, ability to to put some of those structures in place. So it's it's a little tricky. Um. But I think based on my conversations with the vast majority of people I've talked to about this, it seems, you know, their response is like, dude, what the fuck are you doing to yourself? You know, this is now the third time you've attempted to do this. And, um, you know, every time you've attempted to do this, it hasn't gone well. And when you're on the medication, you feel perfectly fine you know, and, you know, not to mention the problem to begin with, the decade of childhood where you were living in despair. And then when you got on the medication, that despair went away. Like, why the fuck are you doing to yourself this to yourself? And I understand that. Um, but I am pretty committed uh to keeping this going at least for about the next six weeks. Um, so yeah, I will be providing updates on how that is. And I'm hoping that in some way, this isn't just, my goal is not just for this to be like some sort of narcissistic rambling about my own life. Um, and I, I'm hoping there's value for this for other people. Um, and I don't know what that value is. I'm not like offering advice, you know, take what you want from it. You may, for some people, this may be, obviously, you should be on your medication. <laughs> for other people, it may be, you know, inspiring to make the attempt to be off the medication. Although, I don't know what kind of inspiration that would be. It's not going well for me thus far. Um uh, so, yeah, I will be providing updates on that. And then more than anything, like, this is what I want the podcast to be. I'm going to be candid about who I am. Um, so for the next uh, few episodes, I have three episodes recorded that are much, were very similar to how the podcast was built, right? Me interviewing uh, my closest family and friends. And so the next three episodes will be that. Beyond those three episodes, however, I'm not exactly sure. The podcast may take a little bit of a different turn, uh, depending how my psychological state develops or, you know, how things kind of shake out here over the next uh, month or so. You know, I I may not. I may record... Um, you know, my goal was when I moved out to LA, I wanted to, you know, to go to LA, a city where there's all kind of creative and interesting people. And, you know, my goal was to, you know, make a bunch of friends out here, meet a bunch of new people, you know, and the most interesting of them, you know, in my opinion, I wanted to to interview those people, but that obviously hasn't happened at all. And so, you know, in large part, that's the part of the reason why the podcast has not been consistent or why it's been totally absent over the past eight months is because, you know i haven't been around human beings to to interview um and then on top of that i've just been feeling fucking shitty man it's just a slog to get out of bed in the morning it's it takes every ounce of effort and energy i have um just to get through the day and so um i i've just not been i, I don't want to say i'm unable i i i could have um you know done something with the podcast but the uh, certainly the inspiration wasn't there I'll put it that way. Um, So yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. I don't, I feel, I still feel like a little lacking on describing exactly the symptoms I'm experiencing, but suffice it to say that uh, it hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. Just to recap the symptoms, it's like I'm unable to register physical reality. The big one is like shutting my fridge. When I go to shut the fridge, my brain will not register that the fridge is shut. I have to shut it over and over and over again in order for my brain to register that shut. Locking the car, same way. When I leave the car, my brain will not register that the car door is shut. My brain will not read, I have to shut the car door, or excuse me, lock the car door over and over. Dude, fucking reading again. All of a sudden, I'm back in fucking seventh grade, not able to get past the fucking title page. I can't read right now, man. I have to reread chapters or go back, not read chapters, or reread pages, reread paragraphs, go back to the previous page over and over. It's taking me like... You know, sometimes 30 minutes to get through a page, you know, that is kind of like the more not tangible, but more demonstrable stuff in a way. And then on top of that, I'm repeating myself here, but indecision about what to do with my day, indecision about what to eat for what to get at the grocery store indecision about what especially during the weekends man the weekends is nothing but open time and space for me the weekends are terrifying because I don't know anyone out here so Saturday rolls around you know I don't have any obligations as far as taking care of Jojo is concerned and I literally do not want to know what to do with my time and it's just time and space and myself and it's fucking overwhelmingly terrifying it's it's like scary I'm like scared of the weekends um uh, so the indecision and then the lack of aspirate, lack of desire to really do much. Like I even, you know, I don't like not too much excites me right now. Um, and then like the combination of all of those factors throughout the day at times will just, I'll just collapse into like a ball of tears and at times like screaming tears. Um, so you've got the, the, the inability to register physical reality. If I've turned the lights off, um, if I've shut the door, those sorts of things. And on top of that, more of kind of these depressive symptoms. So it's like this combination of like the remnants of what used to be OCD. And then on top of that, more depressive shit. Um, and it's it's overwhelming right now. But just talking about this and expressing this, I can already feel is helpful. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's not going to break me. It's not going to defeat me. It's extremely fucking shitty right now. Don't get me wrong. It's extremely fucking shitty right now. It's, it's bad. And I, and I, I yeah, it's, it's really bad. I mean, it's driving me to the point of like simulating suicide. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Um, and it's even more insane that I like, you know, I know, you know, what a potential guaranteed solution is, but I'm obsessed with pushing uh, this experiment to the limit. Um, But not to be concerned, it's not going to, it's not going to ruin me or end me. Uh, it just may force me to be a very, uh, unstable and unhappy person over the next several weeks. And if that's the case, that's the case. It's my decision I'm doing to myself. So I apologize for those who care about me to hear this kind of shit. Um, but I'm doing what I think I have to do. Uh, for myself, because the thing is, once you get back on the medication, man, it's not like you can just get back on it and it's solved, and you can get back off it. No, it's like once you're on it, you're on it for at least a year. You know, it takes a f- about a month, maybe a little more, to build up in your system to feel the effects, and then from there, you really need to stay on it. You don't want to like, oh, feel the feel better again and get off it, and that's the worst thing you can do. So, what's really kind of daunting to me is that if I do get back on the medication. I know I'm on it, maybe not for good, but although I think a lot of people that care about me would like me to be on it for good, but I know I'm on it for an extended period of time, at least a year. And to that to me is like, ah, I guess it would be disappointing. I mean, it'd be great to feel better. That certainly wouldn't be disappointing, but it would be disappointing that I've, I've man, I've de- not dedicated like three years. This is my sole you know, effort I've been dedicating my time to, but it is, if I've, it's taken me three years to get off this medication. And, up until, and for two and a half of those years, things were going perfectly fine. Going from 40 milligrams basically down to 10 milligrams of Prozac, I was fine, fine. Totally fine and actually better. Like where I was at 40 milligrams, where I was at 10 milligrams, I actually felt better on 10 milligrams than I did at 40 milligrams because I felt like I was actually feeling emotions. I felt more sensitive. I felt like I valued the people I love, the relationships of the people I love more. I felt like there was more of an impetus for me to, you know, engage in passion projects like this podcast, more of an impetus for me to explore other areas of life. Um, when I was on the really high dosage of Prozac, I just felt fucking numb and like nothing mattered. I didn't, you know, it was better than feeling, depre- was better than feeling depressed or overwhelmed by OCD symptoms, but It also felt like you're kind of just on a, like you're on a drug. I don't like that feeling at all. So coming down, there was no problem. It was just this kind of last half of coming off the medication or this last, not half, this last kind of um, maybe eighth of time period of coming off this medication where um, shit has really hit the fan. Um, And I need to wrap up here because now I can feel myself rambling. But it, the social factor is a big one too. Because like I say, when I'm around people, I feel relatively normal. I feel relatively normal. But with COVID, in, you know, it doesn't seem like even with this vaccine that there's necessarily an end in sight here. Um, and I actually called out my buddy, Stephen Morgan, the last a podcast. I recorded um, the other day just to get his kind of perspective on the situation. And I had thought of this already, but just kind of talking to him really kind of spit it to me more clearly. The world we live in is a fucking nutty world, like even without COVID. <laughs> I don't think our biology and who we are is like biological creatures. You know, it, it wasn't designed for the world we live in. It wasn't designed to live in concrete jungles, to be packed into cities of... Tens of millions of people with Wi-Fi and cell phone and radio signals blasting through the air, with constant exposure to information and staring at screens and all kinds of lights and sounds. Like we are exposed to so much shit. In some ways, that's fucking amazing. Like we have all the information, all of the the history of the world's information at the palm of my hands, all uh, our hands at all times, which is incredible. But at the same time, like. Are our brains really designed to handle that shit? Is that, you know, a source of a lot of this mental instability? And so perhaps, you know, these psychiatric drugs are these, not panaceas, but perhaps they are these tools that can help us be our highest selves And this incredibly crazy world we live in. And don't get me wrong, it's not as if I wish I was born fucking, uh, you know, 200 years ago where, you know, people are, you know, dying at age 30 from like scurvy or whatever. You know, women are dying in childbirth on, you know, a regular basis. I'm not saying that. Um, I, I feel incredibly fortunate to be born into the era I live in, but I do wonder how much of, you know, this crazy new technological insane world that we live in is having a negative effect on all of our psyches, you know, and obviously some more than others. And so perhaps I should be more gentle with myself or perhaps all of us should be more gentle with ourselves. And if we do have a tool that can help us be our highest selves, help us be a happier selves... Perhaps we shouldn't question that and we should do it. But obviously, there's a very clear counter argument for that as well. So, um, I'm not going to let myself exist in despair forever. I mean, dude, I, I, I mean, you know, we're going on, you know, over a year here in isolation. Let's say you live, you know, best case, not best case scenario, but 100 years would be a nice, generous life to live. That's, you know, that's, that's 1% of your life right there. And um, certainly, Far more than one percent of my life has been i have lived in in you know despair. I would calculate that you know probably over fifty percent of my life i 've lived in psychological despair and that 's not good um, but anyway, just saying this and and i 'm about to end this now, I do feel optimistic about the future ironically enough, and um yeah, I do feel optimistic and I am committed to keeping this podcast going. I can't promise that the podcast is going to be consistent every week. I can't promise. I want it to be. That is my goal for it to be consistent every single week and perhaps beyond that, you know, more than once a week. Um, but I can promise that I'm going to make a concerted effort to keep this thing going. Um, and I'm always going to be transparent and honest about where I am in life when I when I, when I I am on this microphone. Um, so... There will be ep- more episodes coming. I can't promise exactly when and where they're going to come, but they will be coming. I'm not giving up on myself certainly and I'm not giving up on this project. So um I look forward to 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 more of these in the future. Um and thank you so much for for listening to this. I can't tell you how much it means. I mean the downloads, I mean the downloads are more than I would anticipate them being when, you know. In the first, uh, let's say the first chapter of the podcast, the first like thirty or so episodes I put up, there are all the downloads are always way more than, than I anticipate them being. So, so thank you for that to everyone. Um, I love you all. I love everyone. I love humanity. I do really love being alive in a lot of ways, and I start we'll start crying here. I do love being alive, and I want to be alive. Um, you know, and I wanna, I wanna, you know, give my best effort on this earth for the time we have on this. This crazy spinning ball That's flying around The giant nuclear explosion in the sky I would, I really I want to be a part of it And I want to be my best self um, During this experience um, So I apologize to Everyone I know And everyone that I don't know That I haven't been my best self And I know some of those things Are out of my control But some of those things are in my control and I could have done a much better job and I'm going to do a much better job of uh, being the best person I can be. And so I look forward to uh, to keeping you all updated on that journey. All right, I love you all and I'll talk to you soon.